BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello and welcome back to ACRAC. I'm Jed Wolpaw and we are back with another keyword episode and the one and only Dr. Jillian Isaac. We are going to talk today about lower extremity nerve blocks and what you might find when you have questions on them on exams. Jillian, as always, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so today the keyword that I selected, keywords plural, are from the advanced uh, content outline uh, under regional anesthesia, I'm lumping them together as lower extremity blocks. But if you look under the advanced content outline for all nerve blocks, they want you to know indications, contraindications, techniques, comparisons of techniques and complications. And I think that's really important whenever you're doing any type of block is you need to know when you should do it, when you shouldn't do it. And then like, is there something else that's as comparable? Like, can I do a spinal or an epidural? And then always complications. So there are a bunch of different blocks they want you to know We've done some of them. Um, like, I think we've done this. We did cervical plexus. We've done glossopharyngeal. We've done some of, like, the head and neck ones. And we've done some of the upper extremity. Like, we've done interscalene, supracovicular, infracovicular, and axillary. Today, we're going to do the sciatic, femoral, popliteal fossa, and ankle block. And then the next one, podcast keywords, I think we're going to – I'm going to pull together what I call kind of like some of these random ones. They're the less tested, less common. and there may be like a question or two, so we could probably lump them all into one, but it won't be a lot of questions on any given one. It'll be like a question per each. And that includes like genitofemoral, obturator, lumbar plexus, some of those type of blocks. But for day, today, we're going to focus on ankle, popliteal, fossa, sciatic, and femoral. So we're going to start with ankle and popliteal blocks because it's kind of hard to do one without the other because they have some overlap here. Um, so I looked up ankle block and I went to Azra and I just want to shout out to Vinny Mather, who's a colleague of ours, because he's the one who actually wrote the article, which I saw. But an ankle block, it's a regional anesthetic technique that's designed to provide surgical anesthesia for many types of foot operations. So that's really the indication, foot operations. It's principally an infiltration block and does not require uh, elicitation of paresthesias. Neither, you don't really need ultrasound. i I don't know if our regional colleagues use ultrasound for this block, but you don't need it. You really just need to know the the anatomy. And there are a lot of advantages of an ankle block. It's technically easy. 
it's a high safety factor. There are minimal side effects. You have nearly a hundred percent success rate. It typically does not require like multiple injections. And I love number five. It can be taught to the relatively unskilled. Like I feel like I could get through a nerve, an ankle block. I, I did a bunch during residency. I feel like they come up mostly with like diabetic foot. Like you need to amputate a toe and someone's like really sick and you really don't want to put them to sleep or you don't want to do an epidural. It's a really great block in those situations. So there are five peripheral nerves that provide sensory innervation to the foot and are relatively easy to block at the ankle. Four of these nerves are branches of the sciatic nerve. So it's posterior tibial, deep peroneal, sural, and the superficial peroneal nerves. And then the fifth nerve is the saphenous nerve, and that's a sensory branch of the femoral nerve. So with the exception of the saphenous nerve, an ankle block can be viewed as a block of the terminal branches of the sciatic nerve. There are very few absolute contraindications, but they include patient refusal, which is a contraindication for every block, and then infection at the injection site. So what's on the test? You can't get around this. You need to know the cutaneous innervation of the foot. This is super high yield. It's going to come up. They'll show you a cross section. They'll ask you. I didn't pick any questions that have pictures because obviously on a podcast, you can't really show a picture, but it is important to see a cross section because that's a super common question on these tests. And then the distribution of these terminal branches of the sciatic and femoral nerves at the ankle, the analgesic distribution, indications, contraindications, and alternatives. Super common test question. It was on my written board exam. I'm sure Jed was on yours. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, he's shaking his head. Yes, you can't see it. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this stuff comes up all the time. No question. Guaranteed. Yeah, guaranteed. So, uh, there is a lot of redundancy in these questions, and I did that way on purpose because you have to learn five nerves, and I figure the more questions we do, the more we drill it in, and the, the more you're likely to retain the information. So first question, you have a healthy 27-year-old woman who stepped on a nail and is to undergo debridement of a wound on her right great toe. She is anxious about general anesthesia but agrees to an ankle block with mild sedation. Which nerves must be adequately blocked to perform the surgery? A, deep peroneal, B, oh, sorry, A, deep peroneal, posterior tibial, saphenous, sural, B, deep peroneal, saphenous, superficial peroneal, sural, C, deep peroneal, posterior tibial, superficial peroneal, sural, and then D is deep peroneal, then superficial peroneal, posterior tibial, and saphenous. Yeah, so what I like about this question, actually, from a test-taking standpoint, is even if you have no idea, you notice that the sural nerve is listed in the first three and not in the fourth answer choice. And so you have to decide, is the sural nerve important? And if you know that the sural nerve does the lateral side of the foot, then you know that it's not required for a great toe uh, surgery. And so you know it can't be A, B, or C, and that leaves you with D. So this is a good example of a time where a small amount of information can actually help you get the entire question right. Yeah, and deep peroneal is listed for all of them. So obviously that's like the one that they really want you to know for the toe. So the great toe is innervated mainly by the four nerves listed in the answer choice. So deep peroneal, posterior tibial, superficial peroneal, and occasionally by the saphenous. So all four of those nerves would have to be blocked for surgery on the, I call it the big toe. They call it the great toe. Um, the sural nerve is the fifth nerve in an ankle block, but it covers, like Dr. Wolfpott said, the lateral side of the foot, not the medial side or the big toe. So you wouldn't need it in this particular example. Okay, Great. next question. Which of the following nerves can be electrically stimulated at the ankle to produce flexion of the toes? A, posterior tibial nerve, B, saphenous nerve, C, deep peroneal nerve, D, superficial peroneal nerve. And again, like you said, some of this is just knowing the innervation. So it is the posterior tibial nerve that causes flexion of the toes. Right. Uh, and 
I actually did a little survey recently of some of my regional colleagues and if they still um, use the nerve stimulator when doing blocks, because that's how I learned. I actually didn't learn blocks with an ultrasound because getting old. Uh, There is one that still actually does use the uh, twitch. And that's probably why they still ask some of these questions, but also it's just a good, it's a good way to test your knowledge. And I will say that even though this is listed under the advanced category, if you look at the basic they want you to know anatomy. And I feel like a lot of this is still fair game in terms of anatomy. It's a little unfair because they say the advanced is regional and regional is excluded on the basic. But when they say anatomy, they really still want you to know this information for the basic. So I think you can make an argument that this is important for the basic also. Yeah, I agree. All right, question three, super common, comes up over and over. The deep peroneal nerve innervates a lateral aspect of the dorsum of the foot, B, the entire dorsum of the foot, C, the web space between the great toe and the second toe, D, medial aspect aspect of the dorsum of the foot. Yeah. And, you know, I, I remember learning this because I, in my head, I thought, okay, the deep peroneal goes kind of deep in between the big toe and the next one. So, you know, I, that helps you, but that is what it innervates. And that's how I, um, that's how I think of it. And a super common question, like over and over. All right. So the next one here for the ankle block is we have a 72-year-old female undergoes a transmetatarsal amputation of the left foot for peripheral vascular disease. And like I said, this is probably like the most common scenario. Like even outside of a written board review, this is the really common thing you're going to see in your clinical day to day. So all of the following are suitable regional anesthetics except, and I know we're getting away from except questions, but you can learn from them. So an ankle block. B, a femoral and popliteal sciatic block. C, a saphenous and popliteal sciatic block. D, a femoral and saphenous nerve block. E, a spinal block. Right. And so this is where you need to make sure you're getting not just the femoral nerve distribution, but also the sciatic. And so if you know that the saphenous nerve comes from the femoral nerve, then you know your D, which is giving you the femoral nerve, and then a branch of the femoral nerve is just the same thing. So it's basically saying just a femoral nerve block would do, and that won't do. You have to also get the sciatic by doing, for example, a um, popliteal nerve block. Right. Uh, So the explanation, and I forget what resource I pulled this question from, but the explanation given is that the branches of the sciatic nerve and femoral nerve are needed to be blocked for the transmetatarsal amputation, and an ankle block will anesthetize tibial, deep peroneal, superficial peroneal, and sural nerves that are all branches of the sciatic nerve. Again, we do this, but the more you go through it, the more it will stick. Um, And then the saphenous nerve, which is the only one that's the branch of the femoral nerve, you need to do that to complete the ankle block also. All right, so question five on our ankle block series is an ankle block is performed as the primary anesthetic for a toe amputation. However, the block is incomplete with skin sensation remaining at the interdigit cleft between the great and second toes. Which of the following nerves is most likely responsible for the persistence in sensation? A, sural nerve, B, superficial peroneal nerve, C, tibial nerve, D, deep peroneal nerve. So again, as we talked about, that space between the great and the second toe is the deep peroneal nerve, so it's going to be D. Yep. Uh, Which brings us to question six. All of the following nerves are blocked by an ankle block except A, sural, B, superficial peroneal, D, deep peroneal, I mean, sorry, that was C, deep peroneal, and D, anterior tibial. And so again, this is just, you just have to know what are included, and the answer is D, anterior tibial is not included in an ankle block. And I think like the Anki flashcards are really valuable in situations like this, where you just, it's really hard to just intuit some of this. You have to 
memorize it. And so the more you do those flashcards, the better you get at remembering all of these nerves. It's for me personally, it's something I have to revisit almost every time. Cause it's not like I'm doing ankle blocks on a daily basis and it's not stuff that super stays in my mind. Uh, question seven, all of the following nerves provide sensory innervation to the foot, except a lateral femoral cutaneous nerve, B sural nerve, D, uh, C deep peroneal nerve, D superficial peroneal nerve. So again, you've gone through this, Jillian, and the different um, things that do. Hopefully you recognize by now that sural, deep peroneal, and superficial peroneal all do. Lateral femoral cutaneous does not. Yep. Okay. So those are ankle. I think we've, we've covered the ankle block. <laughs> we should be good. But honestly, like really high yield question comes up again and again. I'd be willing to bet that everyone gets at least one question on an ankle block because it covers five nerves. Uh, it's probably going to be a cross section or some type of picture, but you never know. Okay, so moving on to the popliteal block, and it's not really a popliteal block. It's just the approach. You're blocking the sciatic nerve in the popliteal fossa, but people use that pretty interchangeably, but mostly they use popliteal to talk about that approach, meaning the sciatic nerve. So the sciatic nerve block at the popliteal fossa, it's useful for lower extremity surgeries of the lower leg, ankle, and foot. So it's going to be like not knee. It's got to be more ankle, foot than anything above like kind of mid shin and the sciatic nerve it runs in the posterior thigh and it bifurcates at the level of the popliteal fossa into the tibial nerve and then the common peroneal nerve and the block targets the sciatic nerve at the the branches at the popliteal fossa and the sciatic nerve and they sometimes ask this it originates from the l4 s3 anterior rami of the sacral plexus and travels posteriorly through the thigh, where it bifurcates at the popliteal fossa to give rise to the tibial nerve medially, and then the common peroneal nerve laterally. And they sometimes ask that relationship to each other. I didn't find any questions, I don't think, this time around, but you do see that from time to time. And the exact level of bifurcation, it will vary with patient anatomy. But if you put the needle between five and seven centimeters above the popliteal fossa, you have about a 95% success rate for a a uh, nerve block, a sciatic nerve block in the popliteal fossa. So there are some advantages. Uh, you get good, you can have really good regional anesthesia for like ankle and foot for people who don't want general anesthesia. What is going to be on the test? It's probably, gonna, again, anatomy, landmarks, indications, and then the analgesic distribution of the nerve. All right, so moving on to questions. An 18-year-old female sustained a closed right ankle fracture while skating. She presents five days later for an open reduction in internal fixation of the ankle. And she agrees to a regional anesthetic for surgical anesthesia as well for post-operative analgesia. Which nerve innervates the skin over the medial aspect of the lower leg? A, saphenous, B, sciatic, C, sural, D, common peroneal, E, ilioinguinal. So the answer is the saphenous nerve. And this is one of the times where I think if you've actually done a regional rotation, it really helps because the way I remember this is that when you do a saphenous nerve block, you are on the medial aspect of the leg. And so that if you just figure it travels down and innervates the medial aspect of the leg, then it makes sense. Um, and then if you think that you do, the way I think about this is you do like a pop saph nerve block for, for example, for ankle surgery. And so you know that the saphenous does the Intern the medial aspect, and then the popliteal, or as you said, really, that's just sciatic nerve block does the, the rest. So that's um, one way to remember it. Yeah. So when I pull questions, I look at many different sources. I, I look through question books. I look through old ACE questions. I look through old ITE questions. 
And this question came up, the, the one I just asked, in different variations in every single source I looked at, which makes me realize that this is a question that's going to come up again and again. So the next two are very, very similar, uh, just worded differently. So a popliteal sciatic nerve block was performed for open reduction and internal fixation of the ankle. The patient re reported feeling the painful surgical incision made on the medial aspect of the ankle. The nerve most likely missed was, and the choices are sural nerve, saphenous nerve, deep peroneal nerve, and superficial peroneal nerve. Yep. Oh, and, and so... Sorry, there's an E. Oh, E, tibial nerve, yeah. So the, uh, again, the medial aspect is going to be the saphenous nerve. So that's going to be your answer here. Yeah, and so the next question is the same answer. I just, again, it's another, the exact same question is worded a different way. It's a 35-year-old, receives a popliteal block for ankle and foot surgery, which other nerve must be blocked in order to have complete anesthesia of the foot. So it's the same question, just worded differently. And so the choices here are superficial peroneal nerve, sural nerve, saphenous nerve and the posterior tibial nerve. So uh, you could see right. it either way. Yep. And I would just remember that, you know, pop saf, right? For ankle surgery, pop saf. And then you'll, saf is the obvious, that's the, the saphenous nerve. And that is going to be, again, if you just know where it is and you'll know where it is after you've done these blocks, it's the medial aspect. Okay. Uh, so that moves us on to question 11. So while performing the popliteal approach for a sciatic nerve block under ultrasound guidance, you are able to identify the popliteal artery adjacent to two hyperechoic nerve structures that appear to become one nerve structure upon proximal movement of the ultrasound probe placed within the popliteal fossa. The correct identity of the two nerve branches is... A, the nerve on the lateral side is the common peroneal nerve, and the nerve on the medial side is the tibial nerve. And then in parentheses, it says combined nerve is a sciatic nerve. Uh, B, the nerve on the lateral side is the sciatic nerve, and the nerve on the medial side is the deep peroneal nerve, and the combined nerve is the femoral nerve. C, the nerve on the lateral side is the common tibial nerve, and the nerve on the medial side is the superficial peroneal nerve, and the combined nerve is a sciatic nerve. D, the nerve on the lateral side is the common posterior tibial nerve, and the nerve on the medial side is the superficial peroneal nerve, and the combined ner nerve is the femoral nerve. So the first thing is, and again, this will be so much easier for folks once you've done uh, a regional rotation, but the first thing is you should know, and we've already mentioned, the uh, popliteal approaches to the sciatic nerve. So you can already get rid of B and D because it says the combined nerve is the femoral nerve and that's not true, it's the sciatic. So you're left with A and C. And so you just need to know at this point what those two branches are and where they are for this. And so it is A, the nerve on the medial side is the tibial nerve um, and the nerve on the lateral side is the common peroneal nerve. And they may ask it like this. I know it's a very wordy question, but from what I've been told is they're given like the testing centers that we use, there's a limited amount of data you can use for the test. So we can't have too many like pictures in there. I don't know if that's true or not. So they may show you a picture, but they also may have wordy questions like this because there's a limited number of pictures that they can actually have in these tests. Yeah. And I've definitely had these kind of, I've seen these on tests, these very wordy descriptions of regional anatomy. Yeah, um, which leads us to our next topic, which are is the our femoral and sciatic nerve blocks. And I know it's confusing because we're doing sciatic again, but it's more the approach. When you say popliteal, you, it, really you should think that's definitely the sciatic nerve, just the popliteal approach. And when people are saying sciatic nerve block, it's usually like a higher approach than the popliteal fossa. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, folks. 
This is no joke. Last night, I'm sitting there eating dinner with my family. We're having Factor. And my daughter, my oldest daughter, looks up to me and she says, Daddy, how do they make this taste so good? It's like we're at a restaurant. Even my two younger daughters, who are incredibly picky eaters, are loving every meal we get from Factor, every single one. They even eat the vegetables that Factor makes without complaining. In addition to 35 different options every week, including keto, calorie smart, vegan veggie, and more, there are 55 add-ons you can choose from. We added on some breakfast options, and the kids love those too. The convenience is amazing. Two minutes, and the food is ready to go. Honestly, I'd eat these things for the convenience, even if they weren't so good. But the incredible thing is that it's both super fast and so tasty. I wouldn't have believed it until I tried it, but trust me, I'm not making this up. And they're super flexible. You can change your order up anytime, pause, or reschedule. Head to factormeals.com slash ACRAC50 and use code ACRAC50 to get 50% off. That's code ACRAC50 at factormeals.com slash ACCRAC50 to get 50% off. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc all right and we're back with dr isaac so the femoral nerve is among the largest branches of the lumbar plexus and the femoral nerve arises from the ventral rena of the L2, L3, and L4 spinal nerves and enters the femoral triangle inferior to the inguinal ligament. And the femoral nerve is the most lateral of the structures within the triangle, which also contains the femoral artery and the femoral vein at its medial end. And I find that that's a really common question, like the inguinal triangle, the order of uh, the artery, the vein, and the nerve. And then addition, in addition to motor innervation, the femoral nerve provides sensation to the anterior thigh and knee and the medial lower extremity below the knee. The saphenous nerve is a femoral nerve branch, and we've talked about it before, and is directly responsible for sensation. We kind of killed this before, I know, to the medial lower leg and foot. And the saphenous nerve can be blocked separately at the end of the adductor canal and several more distal sites. The femoral nerve block is indicated for surgery on the anterior aspect of the thigh. It may be combined with the sciatic nerve block to provide complete lower extremity coverage below the knee, and additionally with an obturator block to provide complete lower extremity anesthesia. So if you do a sciatic and femoral, you can do like below the knee, but if you add obturator, you can also do the knee. So you can, you can actually do like knee surgery if you do all three of those blocks. So you're kind of going up on the leg in terms of the extremity. Um, absolute indication, absolute contraindications, patient refusal, inability to cooperate, obviously allergy to local anesthetics, and relative current infection at the site of a local injection, a patient on anticoagulation and antithrombic medications, and patients with bleeding disorders. So really what's on the test, it's 
again, anatomy, nerve distribution, indications, alternatives, and landmarks, similar to what we've seen before. Um, which leads us to our first question is you have just performed a femoral nerve block in preparation for a tibial plateau fracture repair using 20 ml of 0.5% rapivacaine. Three hours post-surgery in the recovery room, the patient complains of lateral thigh pain. Was the femoral nerve block a failure and what would be the most appropriate action? So what I tell residents and anyone who's preparing for a standardized test is before you look at the answer choices, try to answer it in your head. So for me, was this femoral nerve block a failure? I was thinking, well, you did a pre-op, they had surgery, and now we're three hours later. So it's probably like six hours later. Was that block a failure? No. If it was enough to get them like through surgery in three hours of the post-op recovery, it's not a failure. And what would be the most appropriate action? And in my head, I wasn't 100% sure, and that's where I read the answer choices. So A, yes, the repeat uh, yes, repeat the femoral nerve block due to a failed block. B, no, repeat the femoral nerve block as the effectiveness of the local anesthetic has worn off after four hours. C, no, the pain expressed is not located within the distribution of the femoral nerve. Supplement with a lateral femoral cutaneous nerve block. D, yes, the pain is due to a failed femoral block, but do not repeat the block as there exists a high risk of nerve injury. Right. And so you really, Jillian, laid out nicely, can think your way through this question without having to necessarily be really confident of all the information. So you know it's not a failure because if you, first of all, it's lasted a long time already. And second of all, you only have pain in this one distribution. So the whole thing hasn't failed. So you probably can get rid of A and D because you can say, look, the block wasn't a total failure. So you're left with B and C. And you, again, all you have to know is that Ropivacaine as a, in a peripheral nerve block lasts longer than four hours, and therefore it can't be because it ran out after four hours. So you're left with C. And in fact, it is that the lateral femoral cutaneous nerve is not, despite its name, a um, in the distribution of the femoral nerve. So it's a misnomer uh, that it's called the lateral femoral cutaneous nerve. It's not part of the femoral nerve. And so that is a separate nerve, and you can supplement and block just that nerve to treat that lateral thigh pain. Yeah. And you could have actually answered this without knowing anything about the lateral femoral cutaneous nerve. Um, But I actually like this question because there aren't that many questions where you have to have, it's almost like a two-part answer and you have to get both correct. Um, And I wonder if we're going to see these type of questions more and more now that we're going to like the three answer choices where you have to, A and then B in terms of like the answer. Like, does that make sense? I don't think I explained that really well, but Okay, moving on to the next question. A patient underwent a combined femoral and sciatic nerve block for an ORIF of a right tibial fracture. In the PACU, the patient complains of superficial pain above the medial malleolus. Sound familiar? Blockade of which of the following nerve is most appropriate? A, sural, B, superficial peroneal, C, posterior tibial, D, saphenous. So again, that's the medial aspect of the lower leg, and we talked about that a lot. That's going to be the saphenous nerve. They really want you to know that. <laughs> so that, the next that question, is going to come up for sure. Over and over, yeah. Uh, question fourteen. So the electrical nerve stimulation of which of the following nerves will produce quadriceps muscle contraction? A femoral nerve, B sciatic nerve, C lateral femoral cutaneous nerve, D obturator nerve. So this is one of those things you kind of have to know. You probably could get rid of sciatic nerve since you know it's down the back of the leg and lateral femoral cutaneous nerve. You know, it, it even has in its name that it's a cutaneous nerve. It just does sensation, not muscle. So, you know, you could narrow it down some, but the answer is femoral nerve. Yeah. And just to review that, so the femoral nerve, it provides motor to the quadriceps and then sensory to a portion of the medial thigh. 
And the femoral nerve, it does not have any motor below the knee. All right, question 15. So you are consulted on an ASA-4 patient for a right ankle surgery. The patient has a known history of difficult intubation and status post-spinal fusion surgery. They're really walking you away, right, from general anesthesia here. The surgeon is requesting a peripheral nerve block that will provide for surgical anesthesia. Which of the following nerves will need to be blocked in order to provide for complete anesthesia during performance of foot and ankle surgery? A, both sciatic and femoral nerve blockade. B, sciatic nerve block alone. C, femoral nerve block alone, D, sciatic femoral and obturator nerve blocks. Yeah. So you can, as we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, it's not just sciatic or femoral, so you can get rid of B and C. And then the question you're left with is, is it sciatic femoral and obturator or just sciatic and femoral? And as you mentioned earlier, Jillian, the obturator, you would want to try to get for knee surgery, but for ankle surgery, uh, sciatic and femoral will do. So A is going to be your answer here. And if this was an oral board situation, the patient will refuse a block <laughs> and you'd have to do an awake fiber optic, but that's another scenario for another yeah, day. That's right. Uh, question 16. The foot is supplied mainly by which of the following nerves? A, sciatic nerve, B, obturator and tibial nerves, C, femoral and lateral femoral cutaneous nerves, D, saphenous and common peroneal nerves. And there's so, no E. Uh, yeah, there's no E. Yeah, you, so, you know, this is one of those things you kind of have to know, and it is the sciatic nerve that does most of the foot. Yes, I agree. Uh, and that is the correct answer. Uh, moving on to 17, the femoral nerve provides sensory innervation to the A, lower extremity below the knee, A, anterior and medial thigh, B, posterior and medial thigh, or D, almost the entire ankle. So we talked before about it having some having anterior sensory um, distribution. So it's, I guess, even just knowing that gets you the answer, which is B. Um, but that is the femoral nerve, anterior and medial thigh. Yes, thank you. Okay. And that moves on to question 18, which is sciatic nerve blockade provides sensory loss of the A, anterior and lateral thigh. B, posterior thigh and majority of the leg below the knee. C, medial and posterior thigh. D, medial leg below the knee. Very so similar to the last question. Yeah. Exactly. The complement of the last question, if you will. So we talked about the femoral doing the anterior thigh. And so the sciatic, which is where it is, so that should be pretty self-explanatory, is going to do the posterior thigh. And then we just talked about how it provides the majority of uh, the leg below the knee. There you go. Uh, moving on to question 19, and this is kind of old school when we were learning landmarks and not necessarily using the ultrasound, but they still have these questions from time to time. So it's important landmarks per for performing a sciatic nerve block. And even if you are using an ultrasound, it's good to know like where to put the ultrasound down. But it would, A, it's iliac crest, sacral hiatus, and greater tr trochanter. B, iliac crest, coccyx, and greater trochanter. C, posterior superior iliac spine coccyx and greater trochanter, and then D is the posterior superior iliac spine, greater trochanter, and sacral hiatus. Yeah, I mean, this is really reaching back here. I do, you know, <laughs> remember that the PSIS, the posterior superior iliac spine, is part of this, and so that would take us down to just C or D, and then um, the uh, coccyx, I don't believe, is a part of it, so that would leave um, D, which is posterior superior iliac spine, greater trochanter, and sacral hiatus. And this is still in Miller. So anytime you write a question for the board, you have to have a reference and they want you to reference 
usually one of the major textbooks. So either like a Miller or a Barish or like a Stoling. So this is still in Miller. So it's still fair game. And what Miller wrote, and this was from the eighth edition, is that to perform a sciatic nerve block, you first draw a line from the PSIS to the greater trochanter of the femur. And then you draw a five centimeter line perpendicular than the midpoint of this line caudally and a second line from the sacral hiatus to the greater trochanter. And the intersection of the second line with the perpendicular line marks the point of entry. Clear, right? Clear as mud. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but still fair game. It still comes up from time to time. Uh, so the last question about these blocks specifically is question 20. And each of the following statements is true concerning a femoral nerve block, except A, the femoral nerve primarily arises from the second to the fourth lumbar nerve roots. B, the femoral nerve provides sensation to the anterior and medial aspect of the thigh. C, the femoral nerve lies lateral to the femoral artery and femoral vein. D, proper needle placement produces sartorius muscle contraction without patellar movement when electrically stimulated. Tough question. Yep, it is a tough question, though I think it's probably easier to look at um, which ones are right. So the femoral nerve arises from uh, L2 to 4. We already said that that is true, so we know that is not that answer we can cross out since it's asking for which one is not true. The femoral nerve provides sensation to the anterior and medial aspects of the thigh. We already talked about it. It does, so we can get rid of that answer choice. The femoral nerve lies lateral to the femoral artery and femoral vein. And if you remember that old mnemonic nerve, artery, vein, um, lymphatic, as you go lateral to medial, then you know that is true. The femoral uh, nerve lies lateral to the femoral artery and vein. And so that leaves D, which must be the one that is not true. Um, so proper needle placement produces sartorius muscle contraction without patellar movement when electrically stimulated. I would not have known or remembered that, but I know the other ones are true. So that one must be the answer. Yeah, so it, it's kind of, it's a tough question, but you would get sartorius muscle contraction with patellar movement, and that's would make that statement correct. But without patellar movement, it makes that statement incorrect. And I know we're getting away from these accepts, but again, I think for learning purposes, these questions are really valuable. Um, so I selected this last question because when you look at these outlines, they want you to know some of these like kind of random things, but they're hard to pull questions about. So this is it, it talks about nerve blocks, but it's a little bit more on the random spectrum. But I, I like to throw these in because they do come up on the test and they're, they're hard to find questions. So this is, according to the 2004, it's a little old, but according to the 2004 American Society of Regional Anesthesia and Pain Medicine, which is ASRA, practice advisory on infectious complications of regional anesthesia and pain medicine, the most important action to maintain aseptic technique and prevent cross-contamination during regional anesthesia techniques is A, wearing a surgical gown, B, hand washing, C, using soap and water instead of alcohol-based antiseptics, D, using povidone iodine, I hope I said that right, which is betadine, instead of alcohol-based chlorhexidine to scrub. Yeah, so... This is one of those questions, and you're going to get, you know, this is actually relatively mild. I mean, sometimes they'll give you like a detailed medical history <laughs> and all these lab values, and then it'll be like, which of the following is the most important first step? And you're thinking like, I got to run a new ABG, and, all, and the answer is wash your hands, right? And right. so that is, you got to just, that's why you could save yourself a lot of time by reading the answer choices. The other thing you'll see is, again, a, in a complicated stem that's very long with all kinds of information. And they'll say, you know, uh, somewhere in there will have mentioned that it's a, like a Spanish-speaking only patient, but then they give you all this other information. And then the question is like, what's essential not to forget? And it's have a translator, right? Like it's just like you have to look at those answer choices and see if one of those is in there. And here it is going to be just straight up hand washing the basics. 
Yeah. And I will say just as a test taking strategy, if I see a long stem like that, I do immediately go to what the question is because it gives me a really good idea of what I am looking for in the STEM. And sometimes you actually don't even have to read it to like answer the question. It saves you some time. So going right to that after this huge STEM, I think is really helpful. Um, I'm not sure that that is like a taught approach, (laughs) but I do, I, I personally have found that helpful in multiple choice questions. Yes. Um, I th- that is everything. So, oh, sorry. No, okay, no I was going to say, uh, I think we that's the end. So let's go to the portion of our show where we make random recommendations. Jillian, anything you would recommend that we uh, tell the audience to check out? Oh, yeah. So I was just telling Dr. Wolfpaw that my life has been very busy. My husband's doing a locums assignment out of state, and so he's not home a lot, which means I'm doing a lot of the kids stuff by myself. But I do love to cook and I do love Trinidadian cooking because that's where my husband is from. And have I talked about Trinidadian cooking with Natasha before? I don't know. I I know we've talked about uh, Trinidadian cooking, so I don't know. It's okay. You can shout it out again. (laughs) Well, I guess it's okay. It's kind of twofold. You were talking recently, Jed, about your wife and her mother that when you're asking for a recipe, there really isn't a recipe. It's more like, oh, throw in some of this and maybe a little bit of this. And totally. so if it's like Trinidadian cooking or you want to try it, there's this great YouTube channel. It's Trini Cooking with Natasha. And it's like cooking with your grandma because she'll have everything set out. And she'll be like, just have about this. And it will be in like the bowl and you can kind of eyeball it and see because it's like a little bit of pepper and a little bit of cucumber, a little bit of carrot. And uh, you like it's in real time. So you can just like cook in real time. And it is like – his Trinidadian relatives tell me that my food isn't sometimes like on par, if not better of like what they could cook. And it's not because of me. It's because I follow Trini cooking with Natasha. So that's my recommendation. That's awesome. That sounds fabulous. And I will say I have tried your Trinidadian cooking and it is delicious. So I will vouch for whatever has taught you must be successful. Yeah. I brought Justine doubles for Thanksgiving because I was, she was night float and I was coming in. So I brought her some doubles, which is a very, very traditional Trinidadian dish. And then this last week I brought in Pelau, which is like a, it's almost like a, like a biryani, uh, kind of similar to that. And I brought that in for, um, my residence on L and D. Nice. Well, it is fabulous. Um, I'm going to recommend a New York Times game. So many of you may play Wordle and know that that's a lot of fun. A relative newcomer is a game called Connections. And it's really fun. What they do is they give you um, 16 words, and they are to be divided into four groups of four. So you have to find the connections between the words. And they, they can be, you know, for example, you might have four words that all, when you add the word um, uh, rock on the end, uh, make a, a, a phrase, right? So it could be like um, uh, castle, castle rock, and then, you know, maybe... Um, Pete, Pete Rock is, you know, someone's name. Um, so that might be how they're tied together. Or they could be four things that all have to do with cooking or four things that have to do with sailing. And so you have to find the connections and then you get four four tries to categorize them all into their four. It's a lot of fun. Um, some some days it's nearly impossible and I don't get it. Um, some days you can do it, you know, in all in one try. So it's fun. I would recommend checking it out for sure. All right, Jillian, thanks so much for coming on the show. Of course. All right. Hopefully you got as much out of that as I did. That was really fantastic. Let us know what you thought. Go to the website, ACRAC.com, where you can leave a comment. Others can learn from what you have to say. If you are a fan of the show, you can follow us. We're on Twitter. We are on Facebook. We are on Reddit. And we are on Instagram. 
I'm at Jay Walpaw on Twitter, and we're at ACRAC Podcast, and you can find us on all those other platforms as well. If you are a fan of the show, please consider going to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and leaving a comment and a rating. It really helps others find the show. If you'd like to support the making of the show, please consider going to patreon.com slash ACRAC. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash A-C-C-R-A-C, where you can become a patron of the show. Even if it's just a dollar or two that you pledge, it makes a big difference, and we really appreciate it. You can also make donations anytime by going to paypal.me slash ACRAC or looking up Jay Walpaw on Venmo. Thank you so much to those who have already made donations and become patrons. We really appreciate it. Thanks, as always, to our fantastic ACRAC crew. Dr. Brian Park is our tech lead. Sonia Aminat and Sophia Wu are our social media managers. Doctors April Liu, Chris Reese, and Edison Jiang are our production assistants. Thank you so much for all that you do. Our original ACRAC music is by Dr. Dennis Kuo. You can check out his website at studymusicproject.com. All right. That is it for today. For the ACRAC Podcast, I'm Jed Wolpaw. Thanks for listening. Remember, what you're doing out there every day is really important and valued. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.